0: Hello and welcome to Fragmenters, the most entertaining podcast that I've found where you get to have a conversation with business women who are enthusiastic about life, work, and money. We love building up other women and getting them ready for their new careers. Hello and welcome back, my friends, to another episode of Fragmenters. I am here with Rosie Zelinskis, and she is the founder and CEO of No Woman Left Behind. And that sounds like it is right up our alley. So, hey, Rosie.
1: Hi, Dina. How are you? I understand that this is your podcast newly launched. So, congratulations.
0: Thank you. Yes. It, I mean, it feels new still, but. We're going on four, five, six months. I think I'm on episode 28 now, so getting some traction. That's good.
1: Very exciting.
0: (laughs) So what got you into this business? How'd you get started?
1: Well, I have been in the corporate world for 30 years. This June was 30 years, so I am a veteran And one of the things that happened, I landed in a home office position about five years ago, and I started noticing that young women coming into the corporation right out of college didn't really speak up. And I started doing a little bit of research, and I know that college age women are two and a half times less likely to ask a question in a college setting. And that translates into the corporate world. And that kind of got me started down a, a rabbit hole of trying to figure out why this is happening and how I can help. And I started volunteering and since then, I've just gone down this rabbit hole. I I also have a podcast, and I'm really mm-hmm. passionate about empowering women in their career development so they could advance in their careers to have a life they love.
0: That's great. What's your podcast called?
1: My podcast is also called No Woman
0: Left Behind. Oh, I mean, makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I will have to take a listen to that. That's exciting. Awesome. So. Thanks. You have been in the corporate world for 30 years, but how long has No Woman Left Behind been going?
1: I started it, I funded it, it's actually gone through a couple of iterations of branding, but I started officially in... 2019. And no Woman, no Woman Left Behind came about this year in 2020. So I fell in love with the name and it made sense. So 20, I'm sorry, 2022 is like the, the year that that particular brand started.
0: Gotcha. But you've been in business since 2019 doing yes, this. Yes, correct. And what is this? You said that you help women achieve their goals and their careers, but can you give us a little more information on how you do that?
1: Yeah. I specifically teach women how they're holding themselves back. I think a lot of women are holding themselves back and they're not even aware that they're holding themselves back. And a few just very simple ways is number one, apply for a job that you're interested in. So I don't know if you're familiar, but years ago, Hewlett Packard did a study of their staff and they found that men applied for jobs, having 50% of their skills and, or of the skills of the job description and women would wait till we have hundred percent of the skills. Mm-hmm. And that's a simple way that a woman holds herself back because she immediately discounts herself. So I always tell women, don't make the decision have someone else make the decision for you. So that's one simple way. A second way is not asking for what you want. So if you want to, and I can tell you a little story about myself, I can do it now or a little bit later, but I experienced this myself where I was thinking that I was doing all the right things and I wanted to go into management, but Dina, I never said anything. So I was waiting for someone to be like, Hey, Rosie, you want to become a manager, And it didn't happen. And then later on, I said something and they're like, oh, you never said anything. So that was a a big awakening for me. And those are just a couple of quick ways that women can stop holding themselves back.
0: Yes, I actually had a talk with one of my friends about this just yesterday. And it's not just in the corporate world, but we just assume that people know. And it's, I call it common sense. And that common sense is not common. The older I get, the more I actually understand what they were telling us all those years ago when they said it. And just because I understand it as such does not mean the next person does. And I'm like, dude, you just got to talk to them like kind of like they're dumb. I don't mean anyone in particular, but whoever in a position, if you're like, they should know this no, you got to kind of dumb it down because they actually might not know it. So that's
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, I was listening to a, a fantastic podcast. It's called Hidden Brain. And they talk about all kinds of amazing stories. And there was a psychologist that they were interviewing. And she said, I have a surefire way of knowing how to read someone's mind. So I listened to the whole podcast and I'm like, what is it? And at the end, she's like, ask them I'm like oh man <laughs> gotcha it's true. it's true like how do you know what someone is thinking if you don't ask so same thing with your manager
0: yeah and it's it's twofold because the common sense thing you just assumed that they knew you wanted to go into management yes. but it's not only that but sometimes we have to fight for it And we have to find that voice to be assertive without the fear of the B word. Although bitch is my title now. So
1: (laughs) absolutely. I agree. I agree.
0: (laughs) So do, do you have any formal education?
1: I went to the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. I graduated as an actuary, but I decided I didn't really want to go into actuarial science. So actuaries are those that make the statistics for insurance. So I primarily, uh, so that was my education. And instead of going through the actuarial route, I went through the underwriting route. So I'm an underwriter by trade. An underwriter is the person that decide if they're going to sell you insurance. A lot of people don't know that underwriters actually even exist. So the underwriters are the ones that are helping make the decisions to write the business. And I've been in the underwriting world for, again, 30 years.
0: Nice. So do you have any, is it more hard knocks experience that you have that's helping you with the leave no woman behind?
1: You know what uh yes and no I have done a lot of personal development myself I've gone I have a few certifications and it's all you would think it's common sense but it's all practicality so how how we actually perceive ourselves how we want others to perceive ourselves that's like a huge thing and it all happens to be regarding the growth mindset you know how one person or two people can experience the same situation, but one of them takes it as a, as a tool for growth and the other one is just angry and can't get past the, the situation. So, uh, So there's a lot of personal development that I've done myself, but I do have a few certifications as well.
0: Awesome, that's great. What's been your biggest obstacle in making this pivot?
1: I think the biggest obstacle for me is trying to provide value to women that they can see themselves in and apply it to their lives and that's why i started my podcast because with the podcast we do we talk a lot about stories and with the storytelling, I think pe- women specifically can see themselves in the situation and the story and they can think, oh, yeah, that really applies to me. So that's been one of my biggest challenges is like I have all this information and knowledge in my head. How do I take it from my head and translate it so that people can understand it and it's relatable to to the listener?
0: Oh, yeah, that would be tough. Has it so insurance is very male-dominated still as well.
1: Absolutely, especially once you get up the higher ranks. And by the way, I know I don't look it, but I'm 100% Mexican. I'm fluent (laughs) in Spanish. I lived in Mexico for 10 years on and off when I was a kid. My parents are both 100% Mexican. And uh, I'm an executive. And there really aren't any Hispanic women in the executive ranks. And it's very... It's, it's disheartening because I know that there's so many Hispanic and Latinx uh, pe- people just in general that should be in those ranks, but they're not. So it, it, that part is, is definitely very disheartening, but to your point, very male-dominated, especially when you get uh, beyond the executive level and into the C-suite, very male-dominated.
0: Oh, for sure. And have you seen, did you start your personal development to find that growth mindset to help you execute your dreams to climb that ladder?
1: Uh, Actually, that's a little bit of an interesting story. I started (laughs) because I went through a really horrible divorce back in 2005, and it lasted almost four years. And back then I started with the Landmark Education, the Landmark Forum. It's a it's think of a life therapy in an intensive three or four days. Mm -hmm. And that's when I was like going out of my mind, you know, thinking that I was going to lose my two little kids at the time. There were three and five. And when I went to the Landmark Forum, it allowed me to reframe my thoughts and the way I when i received a letter from the lawyer saying hey we're going to go to court and you know whatever prior to the landmark forum i was like freaking out after the landmark forum i'm like all right cool it's just an event i have to get through it worst case scenario is that i lose custody of my kids i will still be their mom and i will still see them i will help them as much as i can that's the worst case scenario so my personal development journey started in 2007 with that divorce. And I was able to completely reframe the situation from then forward.
0: That's awesome. I, my career trajectory didn't take off until I got therapy for personal reasons either. Mm -hmm. So it's amazing how much if you don't take care of this, I'm pointing at myself. (laughs) If you don't take care of this, you're not going anywhere. You're just stuck.
1: I totally agree.
0: Now, what's helped you the most in getting this going?
1: I think my motivation, uh, my, so I went to the University of Illinois again, and our alma mater is a statue of a woman that's kind of holding her arms out. And there is a plaque right on the statue, and it says, to thy happy children of the future, those of the past Sun Greenies. So the way I think of women empowerment is that all those women before me came and were fighting all the women that were in the women's suffrage movement and trying to get uh, just the gender gap to, you know, disappear I know that we still have so much work to do. And that's honestly one of my biggest passions is to see women continue to advance. And my, my mission is actually to eradicate the gender gap in the corporate world. And, <laughs> yeah, and that's that's what really drives me because if I can impact one person, one person, Dina, I know I've done my job. And I know I've impacted more than one person already but that's what really drives me all those young women that are coming up behind me i want them to know that women like you and me are really in love with the fact of we want them to succeed we want there to be this world like i imagine this world where women are truly equal to men that there is no differentiation between the jobs the pay gap that there is and the opportunity. so so that's what really drives me,
0: yes, equality. <laughs> yes, that's the goal, absolutely Now, you said something about you if you help one person, then you're happy. And what I love about that is I'm learning more and more that if you help one person, You're helping a buttload of people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you're having even a bigger impact than you think. Don't sell yourself short. Thank you. Now, we talked a little bit about Hispanic and Latinx in C-suite in executive roles Why is it so important to you to have them in those roles and also for the gender equality to happen within work environments?
1: So the the first thing that comes to mind about Latinx people being in executive ranks is for them to be an example to those people coming up behind us, whether they're male or female, I think it's really important for Latin people, um, Latinx people to understand that there is a way for them to succeed in the corporate world. And I think a lot of times uh, when I was in college specifically, I did hang out with some Latinx people and I I think it was, that goal was unreachable. and. I want them to know that it is it is a possibility. And for them to see other Latinx people in those positions, it opens up the dream. You know, when Kamala Harris became the vice president of the United States, you saw so many little girls in front of the TV seeing themselves in the future, opening up possibilities for them Mm -hmm. that they never thought Would be there. And I think that's the same thing for Latinx people in the executive ranks in any corporation, you know, whether it's big or small, to open up the paths for all of those people coming up behind
0: us. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. Mine, I am definitely passionate about getting women making all that bacon, getting (laughs) in, you make the money when you get up there, but also just. In every career possible, like, I would love to see more female mechanics and welders and pipe fitters. So not just in the corporate structure, but my goal is to have gender equality in all of the fields. Absolutely.
1: And you know, uh, I think, you know, this is, you know, common knowledge, but when there's that diversity of male, females, and all the different, you know, nationalities in uh, whatever group, whether it's a community group, a, you know, corporation, Then the diversity, the different ideas that come through, you can see a problem and solve it from so many different angles. And that ultimately benefits the corporation because then they become more profitable because of all the different angles that people bring. So diversity is so important for the development of products, the development of ideas, and ultimately, I mean, we're all working for a reason, right? It's not like the, the company's not going to want to make money, so we're all in it for a reason. But ultimately, it's profitable for the corporation and other businesses as well.
0: So what advice would you give someone who was wanting to enter into your profession? I'd like to cover both because I know that underwriting is definitely male-dominated.
1: Yeah. So I would say the one thing that someone would need to have in order to enter into just the insurance industry in general is they need to be able to problem solve and be able to analyze because every day you look at a risk and you make the decision if you're going to write it or not. And the underwriter impacts so many different realms in the insurance company, because if we write it, Then ultimately, if a claim occurs, then we're going to have to pay a claim. And a lot of times the claim adjuster is like, what was the underwriter thinking? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So there's that dichotomy between the two disciplines. But it is a fantastic, solid Discipline, just the insurance industry in general. There's a lot of different types of insurance. There is substandard, there's middle market, there's high net worth. So there's just so much opportunity in the insurance industry. So it's a great uh, type of job. And I'm actually one of the few people that went to school for insurance because, again, actuarial science, it's all insurance based. Mm-hmm. Most people fall into it because they know they're a family member or a neighbor or somebody that is working for the insurance company. That's how generally people fall into the insurance industry, but it is a fantastic industry and there is so many different positions that you can have. It's extremely versatile. So I would highly recommend anyone that's looking for uh variety to look into the insurance industry.
0: That's awesome. I didn't realize that you didn't have to go and get a degree. So You're extra. And that's not a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. (laughs) Now, I would like to know what the best advice you have received.
1: I think the best advice that I have ever received is to push through discomfort when I'm out of my comfort zone. Because the way that you grow is by doing things that you're not used to doing. And I'll give you an example. I'm sure everybody that's listening has experienced this, where you're driving from work to home or home to work, and you do not remember the drive because your brain is so busy thinking about other things. And that is the automatic Part of your brain that just doesn't think. The way your brain grows is when they're when it is experiencing new things. So public speaking is the number one biggest fear. You know, it's like 70 or 80 percent of people fear public speaking. I can guarantee you that if you brace yourself and go to a local Toastmasters and start speaking, your brain is going to grow. And by the way, those experiences that are new and out of your comfort zone are the ones that you remember the most because it elongates your memory and it's fun. You know, it's fun to do new things. And that's, I'm, I'm a speaker myself. I started my podcast earlier this year as well. And these are all brand new things to me. And I feel like I've thrived this year more than, you know, the last five years. So I would say, stretch yourself, get out of your comfort zone. And that's the advice that I was given. And that's exactly what I'm doing myself.
0: Yes, I agree completely. Nobody grows if you're comfortable. Exactly. Now, we've talked a lot about business, but I want to know what you do for fun.
1: Well, you know... I'm kind of a geek. My husband calls me (laughs) a nerd all the time. So for fun, yesterday, uh, my grown kids, my kids are 21 and almost 24. We went to Pumpkin Patch, which was kind of cool because we hadn't been there in a few years. So that's one thing. Uh, The last two weekends prior to that, I had gone to TEDx events. So I went to TEDx Naperville on Saturday, and that was phenomenal because we listened to. Four different speakers it was a little bit of a different type of event uh, two weeks prior to that i went to tedx chicago and that was phenomenal because i found or well, i learned of two women that are poker players and they said that poker is one of the best things for women to be able to negotiate in the corporate world or actually in any business by the way They're taking a poker class virtual poker class and I'm so excited about it because my 21 year old daughter is going to take it with me. And, but that evening, that Saturday, we went to TEDx Chicago, and there were eight different speakers and that was phenomenal. And when I do that kind of stuff, I just, I'm in, you know, heaven. <laughs> I love that stuff.
0: Oh my gosh, TEDx. We went we go to it every time it's here. It hasn't been because of the the C word that happened, you know, it mm-hmm. closed everything down, but I'm hoping that we get one again this coming year cuz Yeah. I just love learning all the things. We are I mean, I'm an IT. So that's a given. I'm a nerd. So
1: <laughs> I'm exactly. totally there
0: with you. So those are books on your bookshelf right? Are you a reader?
1: I am. I love to read. I always have, you know, I'm always reading books and I just love learning as well. So hence the nerd word from my husband.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what are you reading right now?
1: So right now I am reading The Go-Giver it was it's a phenomenal book so i i love that book and another book that i always kind of refer to is the jack canfield's success principles that's mm-hmm. also a book that that i love and then i try to i try to listen to like podcasts the moth i don't know if you've heard of the moth but it's a storytelling venue and fun because it's all different stories and they range from 15 to 30 minutes or so mm-hmm. I love listening to stories and how storytellers, you know, say the story and how they perform and that kind of stuff. So I do that as well.
0: Yeah, that probably helps since you have a storytelling format on your podcast. It helps yes. you so that you can. I just, I just heard a quote about this that you have to, uh, you have to consume the content you desire to provide. Exactly.
1: Yep, I agree.
0: I love to read too. And actually the Go Giver is on my on my list to come. Yeah. So how are you liking it so far?
1: I like it. You know, it's it's I think a lot of those books and I find myself you you know, a lot of it's common sense. You know, a lot of it you hear from different people and it's the same kind of themes, but they just you know, give a little bit of a twist in their story and how they apply it to their lives. So Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it is common sense, but it's always a good reminder of what you can do to expand yourself, expand your mind, and, you know, sometimes just chill out. But, you know, more than anything, how do you serve the people in your life so that collectively everybody um, advances?
0: Awesome. Now I'm excited to read it. (laughs) So you said you have a couple of kids. I do. How was bringing up kids in your career? Did that affect your desire to go into management or?
1: Yes. Well, when I got divorced, my kids were five and seven and I got sole custody. My ex-husband at the time wasn't providing a lot of child support. So it was just me. Mm -hmm. I knew that I had now these two little kids that I had to provide for solely, and I needed to figure out how to do that. I was living with my parents at the time, and I first went ahead and rented a place. And then after that, once the divorce was done, I had to get my career in gear. I started doing volunteering and special projects and trying to get visibility and presentations because the way I saw my path is I needed to advance my career quickly so that I could support my children. Mm -hmm. And it was good and bad because I was, when I, when I am focused on something, I'm hyper-focused and I knew that I needed to get into management at the time. And they were my driver. You know, they were my why. They are the the two little people that I wanted to take care of. And I will tell you, Dina, the day that I bought my house, I didn't even have beds for them because I had to leave in the middle of the day. You know, long story about, you know, the the situation, Mm -hmm. but I went to a local furniture store and I worked with the guy that I generally, you know, bought furniture from. I said, Hey, I just want to kind of put a budget together. So can you like help me out? He said, well, what's going on? So I told them a little bit about what's going on due to the divorce. I had to file a foreclosure and my credit was kind of ruined at the time. So I had to start rebuilding my life. He said, well, why don't you apply for a credit card anyway? And I was like, okay, well, fine, I'll, I'll try it, but it's probably not going to be accepted. So he left, came back 10 minutes later and I, I felt like I was holding my breath that whole time. <laughs> he came back, he said, Rosie, you're approved. Dina, I lost it right in the middle of the furniture store. I was crying hysterically because now I knew that it was really time for me to build a home for my children and I. And this time, I knew what I needed to do in my career. I knew that I needed to speak up for myself, and I knew that I needed to have advocates. So, an advocate is someone that's going to be advocating for me, even if I'm not in the room. So, I started building relationships with people within the organization, saying, "Hey, you know what? Just so you know, this is the path that I'm looking for. This is kind of what I'm what I'm aspiring to do." And lo and behold, about three years or four years after I got my management position, I started campaigning for my home office position, which is what I hold now. And I was successful, but this time it was campaigning, speaking up, telling anybody that would listen what I wanted to do. And that was to me, the big difference between me going into management the first time, and then going into, you know, home office position the second time.
0: Huge yeah, difference. you went from hustle, hustle to just speaking, Yes, speaking it into existence.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. <laughs> yes.
0: So that's really all the questions I had for you, Rosie. Did you have anything for me?
1: Yeah. So how did you get so passionate about the same topic? Because I always like to know, so you're in IT, also yes. a male-dominated industry, but What was the one catalyst that you remember saying, oh, I have to, you know, create this podcast for women. So that that's my question for you.
0: So. I mean, a lot goes into it. I've been in IT for 17 years Mm -hmm. and uh, I think about 10 years of it. Yeah, I think it was about 10 years, maybe nine and a half, I don't know, was at a gold mine. So very male-dominated there as well. And if you had asked me then if I thought it was important to bridge the gap, I would have said no because it was hard. And I just didn't want to put out there for women to do this and to get their ass beat like I was every day. (laughs) But now that I'm in a position with a company that is so... Diversity is so incredibly important, and I've done therapy, so I've worked through all my issues. Well, not all. I'm still with the <laughs> therapist, but worked through a lot of my issues. I realized that, okay, so it was that, but also I moved to a much bigger town. I had always grown up in little tiny towns in Nevada, which were almost all white, white, They had about the same income stream. There was no diversity in, like in my hometown, we were all poor. They didn't have a lot of money there. And then I went into gold mining where everyone had a ton of money. You know, there was no economic, socioeconomic diversity. There was no ethnic diversity. It was just all the same. So I move into this big town and not that I hadn't met and befriended other races because of the internet, you know, thank God for the internet, Yes. but I I'm seeing it in person now and getting to experience how collaborating with different individuals actually makes you and your environment better. Yes. So it's so important to me to have diversity in all things, but I am a white woman. So I, I feel like I can speak to that. I have the authoritative voice for a white woman in a male-dominated field because I've experienced it. and with that, I'm more privileged to put my voice out there. Mm-hmm. So if I use my privilege, get my voice out there, make it known that it's okay and more women are in these careers and they're advancing towards these careers and able to speak up. So for every every one of us that goes out and, help someone else, like I said earlier, you're helping a lot more people than just that one person you're influencing. So I hope to have all the diversity, but because I'm only me, I can only speak to my one little segment.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And specifically, what, what do you do? Do you code or like, what do you do in the IT industry?
0: So I am now in a lead position. So I just manage people, which I absolutely love. I never, never would have been in management because I have CPTSD and without going through all of the therapy that I did to get in remission, there was no way that I could have handled the stresses of managing people. But once I got through that and she's my friend, but she's my mentor (laughs) She had asked me about going into this lead position and she kind of gently nudged me towards it too, which I appreciate. I absolutely love it. Before I did everything, I did as little coding as possible. I'll be honest. It is not my favorite. (laughs) Definitely not my favorite, which is funny because some people love it and we just got different brains. There, there's nothing wrong with coding. Just for me, I do not speak that language, but I really love account management, securities. I worked with SOX, which is a security compliance for some stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I mean, you have so many different ones because then right. all the other acronyms for security started coming through and I don't know what I'm talking about when I get into <laughs> acronyms, but... Yeah, so I really liked getting into like the account management, the group management, so the security portions and server management. Those were my favorites.
1: Got it. Well, you know, kudos to you for going out of your comfort zone. And I tell you, managing people, it's not easy. It is very difficult because not only do you have to continue to develop yourself, but now you have you're responsible for developing them. And Mm -hmm. so one of the things that I tell people to do all the time is ask for feedback. So if people are not asking you for feedback, then I hope that in the uh, mid-year or annual review, you're giving them feedback. And I actually interviewed a, a lady not too long ago, and she said, you know, as a manager, if you notice that someone is doing something that's not quite up to par, you can say, I've noticed a couple of things about your performance. Is it okay if I share that with you? And that is basically telling, asking for them permission. And that way you kind of diffuse the situation and they're not defensive and they're going to be able to listen if you ask for their permission to share that information. So hopefully that helps you a little bit, but you know, it's a good way to share feedback with someone.
0: Yes. I love that. My, the same woman that I talked about earlier, my mentor, my friend, Shan, she asked me something about, not asked me. So she approached me after a meeting, and she was like, hey, I have an idea. Are you open to a suggestion right now? And it was beautiful. I try to do that every time because you're right, especially with how fragile I was before. Just that little bit of confrontation, even if it wasn't confrontation, it was just a suggestion, it would have murdered my insides. So (laughs) just saying, I love that you asked for the permission. Yeah, absolutely. Gratefully, I am just a lead for now. That means I only have five people under me. So I love it. We're like our own little little club, our own little family. Good. I get to know and, all about
1: and just out of curiosity, are they male or female?
0: Right now they're all male.
1: Oh, wow. Look at yeah. you. Maybe you um, can mold those little minds so that they can actually be uh, allies to all the women in the corporation.
0: <laughs> oh, for sure. They, like I said, the corporation I'm in is the most diverse and inclusive I've ever awesome. been in. And I've, I was nervous going into a lead position as a woman and it, they've been amazing. They're so supportive and I did have another woman in, in my division, but there was a position that opened and I told her to apply for it. And that's so hard. And I really think that was when I that was another big stretch to see if I could I could actually lead a team because I did not want to lose her. She is amazing and is going to do so much for the company and I was like you have to apply and it's not because I don't want you on my team it's not because I don't like you but because you in this role will do amazing things for the company
1: oh what a great advocacy you did there for her so that that's fantastic Dina I love that
0: so yeah that's that's me in a nutshell
1: <laughs> awesome very cool I love it
0: righty <laughs> so now the important thing. You told us that you have a podcast called No Woman Left Behind. Is that on all the podcast platforms? It sure is. Okay, good. I know some are just, you have to go specifically there. So I want to make sure everyone can find you. And then if someone wants to work with you, how can they go about doing that?
1: They can actually go to my website and it's also called No Woman Left Behind. And that's W-O-M-A-N, No Woman Left Behind dot com. So all of my information is on there. My podcast episodes are on there. I also have a couple of freebies. I have a quiz and a course. So they will find it all right on the website.
0: Awesome. Guys, make sure to go check it out. She's got freebies. That's always a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, Rosie, I appreciate your time so much. This was such a great conversation. I hope you have a fantastic night.
1: Well, thank you so much, Gina. And thank you so much for all the work that you're doing. I mean, again, your podcast and my podcast are exactly what women need, need to learn about so that they can continue to advance in their career. So thank you for your service.
0: Of course. All right. You have a good night. Thank you bye oh my gosh thank you so much for listening today i hope you had as much fun as i did if you liked this please rate review and subscribe to ensure that you can more easily find me in the future thank you again Bye.